Well, last sermon of the year, last sermon of the year, so I feel led to preach the new year in. <laughs> Deborah Criswell, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, for over 50 years, every New Year's Eve, he would start preaching at 6 o'clock p.m. and preach until it was midnight, the new year. Preached the same sermon every time. It was called the crimson thread that runs through the Bible. And he would start in Genesis and go all the way through to Revelation, showing us Christ, 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 all the way through. Now, Deborah Criswell is a unique person. Not not just anybody could do that. But uh, if you want to check it out, you can listen to it. It's online. And uh, it's not quite six hours long, but some, some, some editions of it are. But I want to give you a sermon about looking back and not worrying about it, not letting the past get you. At the end of the year like this, you'll start to be kind of uh, introspective or retrospective. you start to look back across the year. And it's easy to highlight all your mistakes and all your failures. Have you made any mistakes in the last 12 months? Have you done any sins in the last 12 months? Have you done any sins this morning? <laughs> when we look back, sometimes we can beat ourselves up. We can, we, can, we can take up the, the whip of self-flagellation and give ourselves a good whipping. But you need to look back sometimes. Sometimes it is good to look back because you want to do better in the future. This is the new year, and probably you're already thinking about doing things differently next year than you did last year. Uh, you know, the, uh, me and my wife back in Oklahoma, we are both members at a place called Planet Fitness. Anybody ever been to Planet Fitness? Planet Fitness is a 24-hour gym where you can go there and work out. Valerie and I, we've been members there for quite a while, and... When the new year came, Valerie went down there to the gym, and she came back, and she said, my parking place was gone, because all these newbies <laughs> starting the year out had gone down there and taken all the good parking places. You know, and the, the rule of thumb is, don't worry, in two weeks, they'll all be gone, because <laughs> nobody sticks with it. Trying to do new things in the year. Well, that's kind of, I'm going to travel along those themes a little bit if I can this morning. Now, if you're looking at Philippians chapter 3, you have before you one of the last letters of the Apostle Paul. These are sometimes called the prison epistles or the jailhouse letters. The Apostle Paul is at the end of his life when he writes this letter. He's probably in his 60s. He has spent the last 30 years or so of his life as a Christian. Most of that time he has spent as a Christian minister, as an apostle, an anointed teacher going around doing the Lord's work. And it looks to me in this letter... As he brings it to a close, he's calling the Christians at Philippi to keep up the good work. The letter to the Philippians is one of the letters which Paul basically says very little negative. He only really says one thing, corrective, where he says he beseeches Euodius and Sintichi, who are two ladies in the church who have conflict, to knock it off, to be at peace one with another. He appears to be telling them in this letter, that they need to keep on pressing on, that there is no discharge or stopping place in their Christian growth. We are always in a state of of reform, of of getting better. We're all on a spiritual journey headed towards Christlikeness. And the Apostle Paul also in this letter, interestingly, he gives himself once again as an example of how to make progress in the faith. Now I want to give you a reading now from Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then I want to give you a sermon entitled, Press On in 2024. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. 
Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it mine own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross. Their, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let's make a short prayer together. Heavenly Father, I ask for your help to give this sermon. And I ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. The Apostle Paul, in writing this letter, in our reading this morning here in verse 13, the first thing the Apostle does is he uses, interestingly to me, the word brothers. This is an interesting letter. It's the only one of Paul's letters that is addressed to church officers. <laughs> the blessings of technology, right? <laughs> they call out when you don't want them to, all kinds of stuff. Now, this is an interesting letter. Now, I don't know what to make, I don't know what to make of it exactly, but it is the only one mentioned to, uh, written to church officers, verse 1, to the overseers and the deacons. And then when you find him saying brothers, brothers, brothers over and over, it's different than his usual discourse of saying brethren, which is a way of referring to both men and women, brethren, or brothers and sisters as the newer versions have helped us with. So Paul, in this letter, he says to the believers, this is the implication I want to take from that, he says to believers, I do not consider to have made it. Paul, who is an anointed apostle, Paul, who in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians says that he has prophesied more, he's spoken tongues more, he's done more miracles, he's taught more, he's brought to light more revealed truth than anyone else. Paul says, I, in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Paul says, I am kind of the chief apostle here. But here Paul says, at the end of his life, I still haven't got as far as I should have. I still haven't made it to where I ought to be. Notice verse 13, I want to point out to you Paul's past. He says, this one thing I do about his past, he forgets what lies behind and strains forward to what lies ahead. The Apostle Paul's past was something he says, I am not going to think about. Now, I listened to a, a lecture not long ago by a British pastor who said that forgetting the past is key to rebuilding relationships. Forgetting the past. My friends, you, you, have, you can't keep score with people. You can't have a little grudge book. Have you ever seen that great classic Christian film, The Quiet Man with John Wayne? 
We're in this book. The squire Danaher has a little book. And in that book, he, and he has a, a companion who runs around with him. And whenever he would run across somebody he was mad at, he would say, get out your book. Write down this name and put a line through it, which meant he'd fallen into the bad list. And that's not the way to be, keeping grudges, holding animosity towards other people. Now, the Apostle Paul, you say, well, why would Paul talk about this? Is that a part of Paul's past? It is a part of Paul's past. Because Paul, at first, the first time we see the Apostle Paul mentioned in the Bible is in Acts chapter 8, where he goes by his Jewish name, Saul, where Saul is a hater of Christians. He hates them. He persecutes them. He hunts them down. He puts them in the jail. He consents to their beating. Even if they are beaten to death, Paul is a hater of Christians. But the Lord met him in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus as he's on his way to wreak havoc in the church at Damascus. God knocks him off his donkey. And the Lord saves Paul and makes him into a Christian. And this changes the course of the trajectory and the tone of Paul's life forever. He was a Christian hater. Now, as Paul has become a Christian and he views his past behavior towards Christians, jailing them, beating them, consenting to their death, doing horrible things to them, how do you think Paul felt about his past? Proud of it? I've been a Christian since I was 15 years old. And some of you have been Christians, you know, you got, maybe became a Christian older in life, later in life, and you all have a past. And sometimes the things we did before we were Christians, we feel bad about. We wish we had not done those things. I'm sure the Apostle Paul's potential guilt level was pretty high. He was a Christian hater. And then he changes teams, you might say, and becomes a Christian leader. Now, as a Christian leader, the Apostle Paul was not perfect there either. Sometimes we read the biblical, the biblical stories and we forget that these people are people just like you and me, just regular people who put their uh, togas on one armhole at a time, <laughs> just like you and me. But Paul was not perfect. And I can point out to you in the book of Acts some mistakes that the Apostle Paul made. One of the first mistakes the Apostle Paul makes as a Christian leader is in his, his dispute with Barnabas over a young preacher named John Mark. Where John Mark, in a tough situation, in a tough time of ministry, John Mark, he left the ministry and went home because the heat was too hot. And so when Paul and Barnabas, they go back for their second missionary journey, Paul says, I'm not going to let John Mark go with us because he's, he's a sissy. He quits when the tough gets going, when the, when the times get tough. He bails out on us. And Barnabas and he, the Bible says, their contention is so sharp that Barnabas takes Mark and goes to Cyrus, to Cyprus, and Paul goes on with a new, with a new protege, a guy named Silas. And I think Paul was completely wrong there. Paul's teachings and his writings later on about mercy and grace and tolerance and forbearance with one another was not on display in that episode in his life, so he made a mistake as a Christian leader. As a Christian person, have you ever made any mistakes as a Christian? The silence must be testimony to the fact that you're guilty. <laughs> you make mistakes as Christians. You make lapses in judgment as Christians. 
The Apostle Paul, he has a very stubborn streak. In Acts chapter 27, when the Apostle Paul is in his, the last hours of his life, the last years of his life, the last probably five or six years, the Holy Spirit tells Paul, do not go to Jerusalem. Do not go to Jerusalem. Paul has decided, because he is a Jewish man by birth and nature, he is going to go to Jerusalem and take a vow. He's going to go back there and take, the Naz- take a Nazarite vow. He's going back to Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit three times says to Paul, don't go. Don't go. But Paul says, I've made up my mind. I am bound in my spirit. I've decided this is what I'm going to do. In spite of three big red lights. Now in your Christian life, sometimes God's going to give you some red lights. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Paul gets these red lights, and what does Paul do? He goes and does it anyway. And within hours of what he does, Paul finds his ministry over. Because what happens to Paul is he gets locked up in the pokey. You guys know what the pokey is? Not the hokey pokey, because they just turn you around. (laughs) He gets locked up in the hoose gal, in the calaboose gets thrown behind bars and his ministry is over he's no longer a traveling preacher now he has a jail ministry talking to the guy in the cell next to him because he has stubbornly asserted his own will but then god in his mercy an angel appears to paul and says paul don't worry your ministry is not over yet because god uses stubborn dumb people (laughs) that's in the greek all right What Paul did there was he erred, as we all do. Now, Paul, when he writes to the Philippians, all these things are in his past. And he says, there's one thing I do about my past, including his past successes, his past failures. He forgets them. You can't live in the past. I've had the pleasure of pastoring Baptist churches, you know, north and south now. And sometimes in, in each church, in each congregation, there is a a romantic attachment people have to the past back in the good old days. Back when we had shag carpet (laughs) and dim lights and the good news for a modern man is the pew Bible. I mean, people, they just, they love the past. Love the past. Sometimes we watch these old TV shows, Valerie and I, sometimes we'll, at night, I say Valerie and I, I watch what Valerie watches. And so sometimes we'll, we'll watch, you know, Matlock or Columbo or uh, Golden Girls. Don't judge us. <laughs> but we'll watch these shows from the 80s and the 90s and the 70s. And you know, it, it's cool to see those old cars everywhere, to see everybody in their polyester and their bell-bottoms. And their white belts, you know. And it's, it's fun to watch those things from the past because the past comforts us. It's like a big warm hug. On my phone, I have a playlist of country music from the 90s. And when, I, when that thing comes on, baby, it's like heaven come down. Any man of mine better be proud of me. The most, the most hated song in, <laughs> amongst men by Shania Twain. But I can still remember all the words. Any man of mine better be proud of me. Even when I'm ugly, still better love me. Even when I'm late for a date, that's fine, but he better be on time. 
<laughs> when I burn dinner, dinner black, you better say, mmm, I like it like that. <laughs> I mean, and when, when those songs come on, I am just filled with, even ones I don't like, it's just something comforting about the past. And we fall in love with the past. But Paul says we have to forget the past because you can't live in the past. You have to live in the now. You have to think about tomorrow. Don't let the past become your home. Paul says, I forget the past. I put it away back there. You have to forget the past sometimes. There are some things that are in your past that are better left there, right? Some decisions and choices you made that you don't want to go back to. I've been, a, I've, been a, I've been married since I was 19 years old. And Valor and I, we have fought over all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Um, she reminded me this morning. She keeps a journal. She told me this morning, she said, we had a fight last year on our anniversary. Thank God for the journal. <laughs> you know, you didn't recognize our anniversary last year. <laughs> you know, what's 25 years? I mean, it just, you know, we'll get it next time. <laughs> And what, what was our fight about? It, she said it was about our mattress. <laughs> the mattress. I, don't, I, remember, I know we bought a mattress last year, but I can't really remember why we bought the mattress. But obviously there was some kind of conflict about the mattress. And there's been tons of other things we've had conflicts about. I've been a father since I was 21 years old, and I've made tons of mistakes with my kids. Times when I was too angry, too harsh, times when I was too soft. I mean, I've made tons of mistakes. I've been a pastor for my whole adult life. I've made tons of mistakes, tons of mistakes. I've preached sermons that I hope nobody ever hears. In fact, I was thinking about it recently. That I pastored a church in Arkansas for five years, and uh, that was right at the beginning time of putting my sermons on sermonaudio.com, which you can go to for a small fee. <laughs> is that that church probably has about four years worth of sermons saved on their hard drive on a computer that I hope has melted into the ground <laughs> I pastored the first church I pastored they recorded my sermons on the cassette tapes cassette tapes and I, yeah what's a cassette tape and I hope they never see the light of day because I said all kinds of dumb stuff now, I could live in the past and all my mistakes and failures and let those mistakes and failures keep me from making any advancement, but you can't. Now, I like to play basketball. I've said that a few times. Basketball is such a fun game. And there's, the other, a week ago, I was playing basketball and um, I run, my, my, my strength in basketball is I run around a lot. I just run and run and run and run until some, until some, I get open and I get the ball and then I dunk it. <laughs> but I was, I was running around doing my thing and all of a sudden I'm wide open at the free throw line. And one of my teammates, you know, after he recovered from a mild heart attack, sees me open, he shoots me the ball. I get the ball. I'm 15 feet from the basket. What should I do? I'm wide open. There's nobody there. What should you do? What should you do? You got to shoot. 
I'm 15 feet. Anybody can make a 15-foot basket. I mean, that's a free throw. I'm better than Shaquille O'Neal at the free throw line. I mean, I know I can do this. Boop. But I just kind of mamby-pamby it up there. The ball hits the side of the rim, bounces off, you know, the other team gets the ball. And I thought, Ugh. Next time I'm down there in the court doing my thing, what am I doing? Running around. I pop open again. I get a ball in about the same spot. I, I, I think, surely I can't miss two in a row. Brick. A third time. I'm down there doing my thing. What am I doing? I'm running around. I get the ball. I'm open. And now I have two misses in my past. Two misses of wide open, easy shots. You know what, I, you know what I'm thinking about when I get the ball? Boom. You've already missed two. Don't make it three. And you know what I did? I held the ball, looked for somebody else, passed it. <laughs> because I let those past failures keep me from making it. Now, there's kind of a rule of thumb in basketball. I don't know if you've heard this or not. But if you have four straight misses, the numbers work out. That means you, after four straight misses, you're set up for three to five consecutive makes. It's a law of the universe. Just like when you're playing blackjack. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> There's, numbers are fascinating things. Instead of getting that third miss out of the way and moving forward into a, a make set, you know, it's, it's dominating my mind. I'm just trying to tell you, my friends, don't let... The past ruined your today and your tomorrow. The past is past. Lock the door on it. Move ahead. Sometimes you have to intentionally do that. I'm not going to let the past dominate me. Paul says, this one thing I do. I forget what lies behind. And I strain forward to what lies ahead. Now notice Paul's progress in verses 14 to 16. Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul moves on from his mistakes, from his sins, from his lapses of judgment, and he presses forward into tomorrow, into the future. Now, my friends, you may have dropped the ball. You may have shirked your duties, you may have committed sins, you may not have been the man, woman, boy or girl, employee, son or daughter that you should have been, but that doesn't mean you can't be better tomorrow. Don't let your failures be your terminus. Now, my friends, we learn from failures, not victories. And the Apostle Paul uses the term here about this pressing. He says, I'm pressing on. Now, the Greek word here could be rendered as persecuted, referring to the effort used to go forward. Or it could be just translated, go forward. I go forward. What Paul does here in using this term, he says, I push myself forward in spite of the weight or burden of his past. He's not going to let these past failures or past stupidities Knock him out of the game. 
when he's out there playing basketball, running around, and he gets the ball, and he's wide open, guess what he's doing every single time, no matter what his brain says? What's he doing? He's shooting, shooting. Wayne Gretzky said, we should invoke the great one, you miss 100% of every shot you don't take. You have to keep on shooting. I play, there's a guy I play basketball with, and his name's Jay. And Jay, it's, it's like... It's like Jay knows, knows, what my, knows what I'm thinking because he'll say, just shoot the ball, Terry. Just keep shooting. Keep shooting. Because you can't make them all. I was happy to see the other day that, like, you know, uh, a, a basketball player who's playing now, I can't remember his name, he said his shooting percentage right now is only 48%. Only 48%? Now let's change that to baseball. If a guy bats 300 how many, what, what is that percentage of success? It's 30% success. That means 70% of the time when he steps up to the plate, he's not getting on base. You see, you've got to keep going forward. Press forward. Paul presses forward in spite of his past. And you should too. Press on. Now I'm going to give you some things to to press on in, okay? You ready for them? Press ahead in prayer. Now, what's going to happen to you as a Christian is you know you ought to pray, right? But you don't pray. And then what do you, how do you feel about yourself for not praying? Well, you feel guilty, don't you? You feel like a bum. You read Ian Bounds' book on prayer. What you'll want to do, you'll feel so guilty about it, you'll just give up praying altogether. You must pray. Press on and pray. You didn't pray yesterday? No big, no big deal. Pray today. So why don't, you, you may have times where you can pray and have a long time of prayer. Charles Spurgeon, who was the apostle of the Baptist, he said that people should not worry about having prolonged times of prayer. He said, I cannot pray for a long time. He says, but I pray often. I pray often. Lord, help me. Lord, I need you. Lord, help that person. As he goes through the day, praying, 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 praying. You're going to have some times of prayer where it's going to feel like God has come down and sat down with you, and you have sweet communion with him. But most of the time when you're praying, you're going to wonder if anybody's hearing you. Keep on praying. Pray. Pray. Call out to the Lord. Press on in scriptures. We're here at the end of the year. And it's good to read the Bible every day. If you hadn't read the Bible every day, you could still go to heaven. There's not a test when you get to heaven. There's not, there's not an exam you have to pass at the gate. All you got to know is the right answer. If there was, if there was a, a request, it would be, who are, you trusted, who are you trusted in to get you into this place? Now, I have time to tell a joke. You guys want to hear it? There was a man, he, <laughs> uh, he died and he went to heaven. And he got to heaven, he got to the gates of heaven, and St. Peter said, hey, you know, before you can come in, there's like a small quiz you got to do. He said, well, what is it? Spelling. And the guy started sweating. He's like, I was a bad speller. He said, don't worry, bro, it's, it's, not, a hard, it's not a hard test. He said, just spell the word love. 
L-O-V-E. And St. Peter said, come on into heaven, buddy, man. He is just, he's so happy to be in there. And he's running around all over heaven, you know, having a good time. And he was back by the gate one day, and St. Peter said, hey, buddy, will you watch the gate for me for a second? And he said, yeah, I'll watch the gate. And so he, he sees a person coming who he recognizes. It's his wife who he left behind when he died. And he said, hey, she said, hey. She said, you're here. He said, you're here. <laughs> and his wife said, and he said to his wife, what happened after I passed on, after I came up here? She said, well, you know, the neighbor, Bob, while I, while I was tending to you, you know, he came over and he cut the grass and he cleaned the gutters and he changed the oil in the car, and he filled the car tires with air. So he watched over me big time. And while you were sick and kind of out of it, we kind of fell in love while you were ill. And then after you passed away, so we waited about six or seven weeks, and we just hauled off and got married. She said, and we won the lottery the next day. And we spent the last 35 years traveling the whole world. She said, I haven't cooked a meal in three and a half decades. He said, well, that's just great. I am thrilled for you. And she said, well, I want to come into heaven. He says, okay. Just a small test, just a small examination you have to do. All you got to do is spell a word. She said, well, what is it? Czechoslovakia. (laughs) Czechoslovakia. Well, there isn't going to be a quiz when you get to the gate of heaven. You're not going to have to give what the Bible says about justification by faith or give a report on Calvin's Institutes or anything like that. All you got to do is know Jesus as your Savior. And if you've known Jesus as your Savior here on this earth, you're going to go into heaven. All the work to save you has been done by Christ. Christ. So press on in prayer. Press on in reading your Bible. Press on in serving the Lord. Be a servant of the Lord. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. This is the best way to serve the Lord. So if you're working a job, do that job for the glory of God. For the glory of God. No matter what your job is. If it's flipping hamburgers at McDonald's, I don't think they flip hamburgers down there. If you're microwaving meat patties at McDonald's, (laughs) do it for the glory of God. If you're an accountant and you're tallying up columns, do it for the glory of God. If you're going to school, do it for the glory of God. Give your whole life, live your whole life in an act of service and worship to God. Press on in giving. And as you make some money from your work, give some money to the Lord. Give in the offerings. Now you say, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Look, there's tons of people in this room who can say they've given to the Lord and God's blessed them for their giving. There's tons of people here who say that. I say it. Give. Say, so where should I start? Start somewhere. Valerie has this little poem that she's memorized a long time ago. I'd have her come and do it, but um, I think I've done it before. It kind of goes like this. Uh, it's not what you do with the quarter you got. Stand up and give it to us, Valerie. You brought it on yourself. Thank you. So, <laughs> that's right. Give her a hand. Under pressure. Give something to the Lord's work. 
Give regularly. Carve out of your budget. Think about how much you could give. Give $5 a week, $50 a week. Look at, look at your money and say, what can I give to the Lord? Not because Terry's beating you up about it. Well, I am beating you up about it. But give because you love the Lord. We just had Christmas. We all love our kids and family, right? How many of you guys pointed up any cash over the holiday season for people you love? Sure you did. If you love God, you, you, give, you give some money to the Lord's work. Give, and you, God will bless you for it. Press into imitating Christ. Press forward, not backward. Don't, don't, don't go. You can't go backwards. You have to go forwards. Notice what the apostle says here. He, I press on toward the goal. Now, verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal, God will reveal that also to you. He says the mature person knows this. Now, you know it and I know it. We adults, we know this about regular life because have you ever told your kids in middle school or high school or elementary school, you know, this is just, this isn't going to matter in five years. This isn't going to matter in 10 years. This is all going to be in the rearview mirror and just be a little blip if you even remember it. Of course, the key to not remembering it is get rid of your journals. <laughs> <laughs> the, ma- the mature person knows I'm gonna have to go forward. I can't f- undo what's done. Let the past be past. Notice Paul's plea in verse 17. Paul says, Imitate me. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Imitate me. Far as I know, only the Apostle Paul says this. He says it a couple times. I think it's three times he says it. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I follow Christ. I don't think that Paul is saying, follow me in my perfections. I think Paul is saying, follow me in my persistence to keep on trying to be like Christ. Persistence. Keep on trying it out every day. The mercies of God are new every day. Every day. Every day you got a blank piece of paper to fill up with what you're going to do. We're right here at the end of the year. Last week I sat in the church office and took that big desk calendar because there's, you know, we're always, there's a lot of, there's not a ton of space here. And so different ministries were always jockeying for space. And because nobody was around and there's a new calendar, I got out my pen and I started locking up all the spaces <laughs> for faith kids and faith teens, for Bible studies. I just, I started filling that calendar up. And I bet other people have been doing the same thing, filling it up. Remember, how, remember back in the day when at your job they had a vacation calendar on the wall and they would put it up and you had to get in there early? <laughs> get your names on there. And if you were an old salty dog, you'd go in there and scribble people's names out. (laughs) We are right here on the brink of a brand new year. It's a whole year ahead of you. Think about how you're going to enter this new year for the glory of God, living for Him. Paul was persistent. Friends, let's keep 
Let's keep at it in 2024. Let's press on. Keep your eyes on those persons who are pressing on. Keep them off of people who do not press on. Of course, in Scripture, we have Hebrews 11, which gives us this list of faithful people. The Old Testament shows us how God's people have lived and served the Lord. Press forward. If you, want to, if you think about persons in history to read about, there's tons of them. Two that have been shaping for me are, are the lives of Charles Simeon and the lives of Jonathan Edwards. Not their theology, but their lives. Their lives. Just persistently following God. Persistently. Forward, forward. Now here's the last thing. Practical applications, okay? I got 37 of them. The first thing I want to say to you is get clean. What I mean by that is get right with God. If you've come to this day of the year and you're not in fellowship with the Lord, you're not right with God, you're a backslidden Christian, you've drifted away, you've fallen off the wagon, etc., get back on the wagon. You say, well, God doesn't want anything to do with me because I've messed up too many times. Lie, lie, lie of the devil. Come back to the Father. He's waiting on you. His hand is outstretched to you. Get clean. Recommit. Reenlist. Redeploy. The second thing is I want to encourage you to get serious. Maybe you've been just playing around. Maybe you've been playing church. Well, get serious about it in 2024. Get off the bench and get in the game. We need more players. We need subs, amen? <laughs> we need subs. Now I'm gonna give you guys, I can tell you guys this. This is striking to me. You know, when we had the live nativity, we had 100 people here on the cast during the live nativity on Friday and Saturday night. We had, we had a lot of people working all through the summer, spring and summer and fall, on the live nativity. But there's this kind of this rule of tens that preachers talk about sometimes. And it's if you have ten people who work for the Lord during the week, you'll have a hundred at church. And that's about where we are most of the time. But if you have a hundred people serving together, working together, you get a thousand. I'm just going to let you think about this. We had a hundred people who went did extra duty for the live nativity, yes? Extra duties. What was the number of people we had show up for the live nativity over two days? 1,200. See, I think, those, I think those numbers hold out. So if everybody gets engaged, everybody gets involved, everybody gets on the court, everybody suits up, man, we can, we can really make a dent for the glory of God here. Make a dent for the glory of God. The third thing, get off people's backs. You got a past, you should forget it, right? Right? That's what I'm saying to you. Don't let the past dominate you. And you know, other people's past that you know about, get off their back too. Let them live down their past. Let them live down their mistakes. I had a lady, can you see me in my church in Texas one time? She said, before I join the church, I want to let you know that I'm on my fourth marriage. I said, well, 
Okay. <laughs> I don't need to know that because it doesn't matter to me. That's past. I'd take her where she was. Married to a plumber. Married to a, a guy that was a good guy. They had a good marriage. Everything was fine. The past. But she felt bad about her past. You know what? I don't think I've told more than five or 6,000 people about her past. Because <laughs> I've told the same story tons of times. <laughs> Just to say, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't. Let other people's past be past. People change. People change. We just saw Valerie's family over the holidays, and they were all shook by how our kids have changed. Because last time we saw a lot of them, like, you know, Mitchell, now he's, you know, six foot two, his eyes are blue. <laughs> I mean, Mitchell was just a little guy. And now look at him, a hulking beast. <laughs> They've changed so much, and they're struck by it. Well, my friends, people who you have known in the past, they're changing too. God's working in their lives. Let people live down their past. Let them live it down. Number four, get in the family of God. And when I say that, I mean become a Christian. Believe the gospel. Call upon Christ to save you. If you know that you are not really a Christian, become a Christian. Seek the Lord and you'll find Him. Call upon Him while He is near. And then I want you to get into that thing about getting involved in a smaller family of God, and that's the local church. Get baptized. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but you haven't followed the Lord in believer's baptism, get baptized. Put on the jersey. Get in the water. Get wet. Get dipped. Lay the old life down. Say, I'm, I'm letting the old, the past is buried. And I'm going to live now for the glory of God. Get baptized. I mean, look. We don't even have ice on the lakes yet. There's still time. <laughs> but don't stop there. Go ahead and join the church. Join up. Become a part of the fellowship. Put your name on the dotted line. And my friends, let's keep moving forward together. It's great to go forward together. Because if we're moving forward together, when I slip and stumble, Sam Dillon will be there to grab me and say, Get up, boy. When I trip and fall, Cooper will be there saying, That's my bad side. <laughs> Can't help you, Terry. Thud. <laughs> if we go forward together and I trip and fall or I get tired or discouraged, somebody will say, Come on, Terry. Keep it up. I used to exercise with this guy. I just saw him this last week, Andre Kolomitsev, and we were doing P90X together, which is kind of like dying and going to hell. <laughs> and we were exercising, and, man, we're, we're, we're doing these, uh, I think we were doing the mountain climbers. He's doing the mountain climbers. <sighs> and we're doing, I mean, he's like, you know, we're, we're on a timer, you know, do so many going, going. He's like, and he could tell I was giving out because I'm climbing slower and slower. Come on, Terry. Come on. Come on. It's almost there. Five more seconds. Five, five four, three, two, one. Five more. Five, four, three. <laughs> Finally, I did it because he encouraged me. He was in better shape than I was, but he encouraged me to keep on going. When we go forward together, we have this mutual encouragement. You may say, well, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to make much progress. Well, inches gained today will be feet gained in a week.
and feet gained will be miles in a year. So don't quit. Press on. Press on. Let the past be past. Press into the future for the glory of God with faith in Him. Now let's pray together. Lord, help me forget what I ought to forget. Help me to remember what I ought to remember. Help me to be what I should be. Help me to learn what I should learn. Help me to be what I ought to be for others. And Lord, I, I lift up to you all my sins and transgressions, all my failures, not just lapses in judgment, but sins. Lord, I plead the blood of Christ, forgive me, wash them from me, Lord. Reorient my heart and mind towards you. Do it for my friends and loved ones here today. I pray these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.